Love this podcast? Support this show through the Acast supporter feature. It's up to you how much you give, and there's no regular commitment. Just click the link in the show description to support now. Ready to pop the question? The jewelers at BlueNile.com have got sparkle down to a science with beautiful lab-grown diamonds worthy of your most brilliant moments. Their lab-grown diamonds are independently graded and guaranteed identical to natural diamonds, and they're ready to ship to your door. Go to BlueNile.com and use promo code LISTEN to get $50 off your purchase of $500 or more. That's code LISTEN at BlueNile.com for $50 off. BlueNile.com, code LISTEN. Burrow is a furniture company known for timeless design and thoughtful construction, and free shipping, and that extends to their outdoor collection. Their outdoor furniture is built to withstand the elements, featuring rust-proof stainless steel hardware, weather-ready teak, and quick-dry foam cushions. For Memorial Day, get 15% off your Burrow purchase at burrow.com slash ACAST and up to 25% off outdoor. That's up to 25% off outdoor furniture at burrow.com slash ACAST. Hey everybody, welcome to another new episode of Undying Light. I am your host, Pastor Alex, and once again, we are back on this wonderful wintry Friday morning, and uh, as I record this about a week and a half early, we just got a nice lovely dumping of snow last night for about seven inches. Uh, I was kind of hoping we were done with big snowfalls, but uh, winter continues on here in the Midwest for another couple of months and so we endure and that's kind of just the general thing that we have to always face is longer months of winter colder weather lots of snow and uh, and then quick and short hot summers that seem to go by in the blink of an eye and I always think about it it's kind of funny for me because we've been here this is now entering our third calendar year we came here in December of 2020 and so now we're entering our third calendar year being here so we've experienced you know, two full summers in Iowa. And, you know, now that our son's getting a little bit older, we go outside a little bit more often during the summer. And I was, you know, the wife and I and our two kids were really looking forward to this last summer. And it bled into fall. And it was just, we had a lot of fun. We went to the parks, we went on a lot of walks, and we just enjoyed being outside. And then it was like all over because it just like started snowing and it hasn't stopped. So, that's the beauty, I guess, of the Midwest. You know, cherish those nice warm days as we can. Anywho, we have uh, worked through Matthew chapter 6 so far. Uh, we did look at Luke last week very quickly, and then we looked at Luther's small catechism on the Lord's Prayer. And so we spent just a couple weeks looking at them and kind of going through those petitions and talking about them briefly, but... Uh, obviously, this is not an in-depth study of the Lord's Prayer. It's just enough to get you and your, uh, you know, get your mouth watering, if you would. And I would always encourage, if you you want to learn more, uh, especially from the Lutheran perspective, uh, grab the small, uh, small and large catechism from Martin Luther, or better yet, just get the Book of Concord. It has all of our confessions in there. Get the large catechism for at least or the Book of Concord if you're adventurous, and read through that content. 
and you will be greatly blessed because Luther pours out a lot into each of these petitions. And so uh, you'll really pick up quite a bit more than what we cover in this show. And, and I've always said this show is not an exhaustive, you know, working through the text. We, we do work through it pretty good and we could revisit it and work on it some more. That's not out of the question. But this is just simply a podcast, and obviously this isn't a replacement for your own personal teaching and your own church, but it is a good supplement to help you hopefully read through uh, some of Scripture. So I'm going to kind of let the people in on a little bit of a sneak peek. Um, Some ideas that I'm kicking around. I'm just about done with my master's, and I only got a couple assignments left. I think I said that last time, but I'm getting closer. And those, uh, that number is shrinking, so we should be um, done relatively soon. And then I'm going to work on putting together an outline for a book idea that I have. And the patrons have been given that idea and has gotten some good responses. And there have been some great discussions and questions surrounding it, so I'm very excited for that. But now it needs to obviously... If I would actually go through with it, it would have to be pitched to a publisher and all that jazz. But that's down the road. But I think it's interesting, you know, the kind of responses that I've gotten back from it. And so I'm pretty excited for it. And that will come uh, probably early spring time period. So if you are among the patrons, you'll get firsthand, uh, you know, reading on this content that I that I do write. You'll get you know, to help and assist and guide and make suggestions and, and all that, you'll play a role in writing the book. And, and I think those who do actually pick up that marker and and help me, uh, I will certainly make sure they're, they're noted in the book as, you know, contributors or something along those lines, because I think it's only fair. Uh, I don't want to take all the credit if I have obviously people who help. So, Anyways, that's just all mumble jumble at this stage. Uh, again, you can join us on Patreon and you'll get access to all that kind of stuff as it comes down the pipeline. Those are some of the bigger projects that I'll be working on the rest of the year once I'm done with school, which is, like I said, hopefully very, very soon. And uh, you can join us patreon.com forward slash undying light for as little as a dollar a month or $10 for a whole year. Uh, you can give more if you choose, but all I ask is a dollar and you can get in on this wonderful community, join us on Discord, get all access to Everything I do off-site, the Bible study, and this early release of this show, amongst many other little tidbits that we do. So, that's that. Let's get into the content uh, at hand. We have wrapped up the Lord's Prayer, and so now we're going to look at verse 16 here in chapter 6 of Matthew. And uh, we'll we'll talk about fasting and what it is and what it's not. Uh, And then we're going to look at probably verses 19 through 24 uh, with laying up treasures in heaven. And we'll talk a little bit about that, maybe some misconceptions that we often hear, especially in the Western Protestant churches. Uh, So that's where we should finish for the day. I'm going to try and close her out around 30 minutes. That's kind of been my goal. Some of the shows have gone a little longer, but, uh, you know, trying to hit that 30 minute mark and is where I'm really aiming for on some of this content. So that way that's kind of slows down our progress, keeps us in this a little bit more, and it allows us to spend an appropriate amount of time uh, with each of the texts that we're dealing with. All right, here we go. Verse 16. And when you fast, 
do not look gloomy like the hypocrites, for they disfigure their faces that their fasting may be seen by others. Truly I say to you, they have received their reward. But when you fast, anoint your head and wash your face, that your fasting may not be seen by others, but by your Father who is in secret. And your Father who is in secret will reward you. Okay, so a couple things uh, that we're going to work on with this particular text. Obviously, we know this is uh, the continuation of the Sermon on the Mount. Jesus is speaking here, uh, and he makes this uh, kind of joint connection to what we just dealt with earlier in chapter 6, giving to the needy, uh, and he's equating the fasting in that. He's saying, do not be like these hypocrites when it comes to fasting. Earlier in chapter 6, he says, do not be like these hypocrites who pray and give and 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 do so just to receive the praises of man. So this is where we will see kind of a shortened pronunciation of this verse. It's only three verses here, 16, 17, and 18. But this is essentially to assume we remember what he just spoke of earlier in chapter 6 when we see how they want to be praised by others because that's exactly what these hypocrites are doing here in the fasting. They they make their faces disfigured and they make it to where others say, well, what are you doing? Why, why do you have such a sour look on your face? And that gives them the opportunity to say, well, I'm, I'm fasting. You know, I'm, I'm taking one for the team. And fasting has an interesting kind of connotation with scripture. And there's a lot of history behind it. And there's a lot of reasons that it is good and beneficial. Uh, and then there's some exploiting measures that people have taken to where uh, it has become abused within the church as well. So if we look uh, just kind of quickly back in the Old Testament, we can go to the story of Jonah. And after he preaches in Nineveh, the king there decides to repent of his sins and turn to God. And he does this by covering himself in ash and begins to fast. So there's always an association with um, the fasting with repentance. Uh, there's 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 that association, and then there's the other side of it. When one fasts, it is because they are, you know, deeply committed or deeply entrenched in some sort of need or prayer to God, and so they begin to pray and fast, or they repent and fast. And, and seek, you know, forgiveness. So fasting plays a role in all of these functions in the Jewish life. So it's not unheard of that Jesus is making the statement because throughout the time of Israel, we, we see the Pharisees exploiting kind of these notions and they come in and say, well, you know, look at me, I, I do what I, you know, I, I'm doing this and, and you should you should give me the praise that I seek. You should pat me on the shoulder and tell me how good of a, of a Pharisee I am, which is kind of ironic, right? They, they continuously seek after the, you know, the needs of others to where they can get that satisfaction. So it's a fairly common practice to fast in first century Judaism. Uh, again, as I mentioned, it's done for various reasons. Uh, one of those is being spiritual discipline, or as I had mentioned, it's an aid of prayer. Or it can even be a self-punishment for sin. 
Uh, sometimes it was evidenced for disdain for the body. And the wording here is that Jesus assumed his disciples would fast. So it's something that would be common and not something that was out of the ordinary. I think it's a little bit more out of the ordinary today. Uh, we don't, you, you hear people ask and talk about it, but you don't, you don't really hear much people, many people actually doing it. You don't get to hear uh, of these churches that have fasted in, in an appropriate measure, you know, for months, and then they get the prayer that they were seeking answered. Uh, you don't hear a lot about that, and and, and greatly so, uh, because it's really, honestly, none of our other people's business when it comes to fasting and prayer. Our prayer life isn't something we go to social media and broadcast. Our prayer life isn't something that we you know, get on the podcast and talk about. I very rarely talk about my prayer life. My prayer life is my own. It's my own private time with God. And that's where I leave it. And I think sometimes the church, especially even in the Protestant circles, have taken uh, the this concept of fasting and prayer and have exploited it to mean this kind of, the, you know, the exact thing that Jesus is warning them against and they're acting like the hypocrites. They're saying, hey, look at me. Look at what we're doing. Look at how righteous we are. And, and all that is is essentially saying, look at how good I am at keeping the law. Look at how righteous I am in the law because I can fast and I'm praying on a regular basis. You know, I'm praying five times a day and I'm making sure I give to the needy. And hey, look at me with this picture with this homeless guy. I'm giving him a sandwich. That's exactly what Jesus is warning us about here in chapter six not to be like these hypocrites. And, you know, really what those hypocrites are, they're just, they just assume that they are righteous under the law because they have done the things that the law has demanded them to do. However, what they fail to do is see their sin and their shortcomings in light of what the law reveals to them. They just think that by a certain outward behavior, they will achieve the righteousness that God would give. Then that leads them obviously into despair because they will quickly realize that they cannot achieve that, even though they have conceived the deceived themselves into thinking they can, and they'll realize that they can't. And then they, you know, the only fallback is to on Christ, as we know, but in their eyes in the first century, they had nothing to fall back on, just the sacrificial system, which we see, uh, Will, will be ended right after uh, the Roman siege in Jerusalem in 70 AD. So once that happens, then there will be no more, you know, animal sacrifices. And so now the Jews who have rejected Christ literally live in, in kind of a, a distraught despair because they are still looking for this Messiah to fulfill scripture. And he already came, he already came and they killed him. And now, you have to wait for him to return. And then when he returns, that's bad news. If you haven't, you know, put your faith and trust into him as Lord and savior. So that leads people into a very, very dark place, I would think. But this fasting notion that we have is, is pretty straightforward. Uh, Jesus is telling you, don't be like those hypocrites. Don't get involved in their mess. Don't get into their showcases and all that stuff. He says, just, anoint your head. And generally that's referred to, uh, oil, you know, take a little bit of olive oil and anoint your head. You can kind of, you know, rub it on your forehead or whatever. Uh, 
but this was, you know, oil was again, something used pretty heavily in, in early Judaism, uh, and throughout the history of Israel, olive oils or any other type of oil, uh, was, was used in various things. And we'll actually see, um, with Christ, uh, the, the woman who comes up and pours out her, her oil or her perfume onto his feet. And so oils and perfumes and scents and things like that had some significant roles that they played. And interestingly enough, some of them play roles in death because they would, you know, pour oil on the body or they'd point, put these perfumes on the body to keep it from stinking out. And they would use this as a, you know, uh, an anointing to the one who was deceased. And they do that with Jesus even, uh, when they go to bury him. So, and, and, and what you really get the kicker. So Saturday in Jewish time was the Sabbath. And so when Christ dies on Friday, they wouldn't have done anything really with him. They laid him in the tomb on Friday, but the women would have come back the next day to run, you know, to do all the, the preparation for the body to keep it from, you know, stinking. Cause when the body decomposes, it starts to smell really bad and they didn't have, um, you know, embalming fluids or formaldehydes or anything like that back then. They, uh, they would just use these oils and incense to cover up the smell. But the women, because they don't work on the Sabbath, and this would have been considered a work, they come back on Sunday. And when they come back, they're met with an angel, and he's sitting over the open tomb, and it's empty. And so we see that this is when Jesus is resurrected from the grave. And so pretty cool stuff when it gets into kind of that notion of like the oils, but again, something that's not necessarily needed to be practiced, uh, to, especially in today's church. You don't have to go around and anoint yourself with oils when you fast. Again, if you want, it, there's nothing wrong with it, but just understand the scriptural significance and and go that route. But he, but but listen what he says though. He says, anoint your head and wash your face. So you put a little bit of oil on your head, but wash your face. Don't make it disgruntled, disfigured, and and sour looking like the hypocrites. Just go about your daily business. If you are fasting. And this could be done in many, many ways, right? Uh, people always ask, well, how, do, how, how does fasting really work? Well, fasting in a proper sense means the restriction from caloric food intake. And this can also be drinks as well. So you want to have literally nothing with a, with a calorie value to it. So that includes coffees or any teas that have calories or soda, obviously, or any food that's going to have calories. And everything has calories. So you have to, uh, you know, understand how long you can go. Uh, my wife, for instance, she cannot fast for for any extended period of time. But basically, the longest she goes from eating is from post-dinner to breakfast. And sometimes, if we eat early enough in the day, she'll get hungry around 8 o'clock, and so she'll eat a small snack. And then she goes to bed and we wake up and she eats breakfast and she is still at 35 years old, stick thin. It's ridiculous how great of metabolism she has and because that woman can out eat me most days. But fasting can come in different time periods. It can be a 16 hour fast. It can be a 12 hour fast. It can be dawn to dusk uh, type of fasting. You could just fast from particular foods. Like I'm going to take and fast from sugary foods or I'm going to fast from carbohydrates. I'm going to fast from meat for a week, you know, and 
uh, you, you can do those as well. And they all carry significant weight with it because when you start to cut out or restrict something that you actively eat in all the time, that would be considered fasting. So it could be all of food. It could be taking everything down to a, a zero caloric value, which basically is just water. Or you could be like, you know what? I, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to refrain from meat. That's a pretty popular thing. I'm going to refrain from meat for a week and just and, and, and f- pray and, and focus on this problem that I have in my eyesight. And obviously fasting paired with prayer doesn't give you or won't give you the full answer uh, to what you may need. And that's another thing that we have to deal with when it comes to prayers that we may not always get the answer we want. And I, I just got done reading uh, has American Christianity failed by Brian Wolfmuller. And if you haven't gotten it, I highly recommend going to get it. It's a fantastic book. Uh, it's very easy to read through, but he takes on this notion of what the Western church has done uh, to the scriptures and how it has distorted this view. And so I think you've probably heard it used in this frame, especially for those who are reformed listening to the show, uh, that prayer doesn't change God's mind. It changes your mind. And while yes, this is true. Uh, we have to understand prayer and kind of the greater scope of what Jesus tells us to do. He tells us actively to continue to seek, continue to knock, continue to press that forward. Always be pushing this forward. Pray, 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 do it all the time. Don't hesitate to pray. Paul tells you to pray without ceasing. Peter tells us to continuously pray. And so prayer in the apostolic church and the early church and throughout the church age has been front and center of the Christian life. And so prayer is something that's not necessarily there to just change our minds, but it is to continuously engage with God and call upon the promises that he has given to us. AKA back in the Lord's prayer, give us this day, our daily bread, forgive our debts, our trespasses. Don't lead us into temptation. Uh, whatever your will is, Lord, let it be done. So all of these things are wonderful things to pray about. But it, again, uh, it, prayer shouldn't be focused solely on, Lord, I want to win that lottery ticket. or I want to get that girlfriend or boyfriend or get married or any prayer can be some of that stuff. But, you know, if it's if it's mostly monetary gain or selfish gain, uh, it's going to really be a bad result for you and because you, you'll put more weight into the emotions behind the prayer than you do the actual prayer and i see this too with with people who are praying for a spouse um it's 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 just and fine to pray for god to you know kind of give you that eyesight of who it is to marry but in in reality we're free to marry you know, another, any other Christian that we want, I, I would be very, very hesitant, especially as a pastor. I'd, I'd probably not recommend it to marry a Christian and an unbeliever. I, I just, I don't think I could do it. And, and I've never been encountered with that, but I don't think that's the smart decision. Now, could you have somebody who's very dedicated to the scriptures? You know, they read their Bible on a regular basis. They're in church every Sunday. And then you have a spouse who says they're a Christian, they believe in Jesus, and they only come a few times a month or, or whatever. Do you, can you have that sort of dynamic? Absolutely. That, that's pretty common. But to have an unbeliever and a believer, that to me would result into some bad things. So 
you know, I don't think it's a bad thing for Christians to pray to find a spouse, another believer. And I think that would be an appropriate measure or, you know, an appropriate prayer. However, you also have to consider the fact that there could just be a long time when you don't have a spouse, when you are going to be praying and you, you want that companionship, but it may be decades. You may be old and gray before the, the, that right person comes stumbling along and you can close out your life with them. And as Paul tells us that we may just not even get married in some cases, being single is, you know, just as important to the growth of the kingdom as, as a married couple is. However, we do know that God gives us the, the wonderful blessings in marriage to, uh, to be fruitful and multiply. That's the whole point of, you know, the Christian faith. And that's the whole, that's the very most basic promises that we see in scripture. And in fact, it's one of the first promises that we see given to Adam and Eve, that they are to be fruitful and multiply. They are to have many children. They are to fill the earth with offspring. And so being married and having lots of children is a tremendous blessing from God. So don't hesitate to pray for stuff like that, but also understand that it may not come in the time that you want it to. But I would be very hesitant to, if you're praying for, you know, monetary or um, personal possessional gains, stuff like that. Like, oh, I really need this car. I really want that car. Now, like if you're needing a just a reliable vehicle, sure, you can pray for the right deal and finding the right car that's going to be reliable. But, you know, don't be praying for a Lamborghini. Uh, don't be praying for those you know, $150,000, $200,000 cars. Those are the things that are a bit excessive in this world. But to have something that's reliable, you know, even if it is a new car, you know, we, we got a relatively new van uh, when the, when we had both kids. And so we've had it for, for over a, a year and a half now and it's been great, but it's big and we need the space because we live in the middle of nowhere. And so we have to drive and uh, travel anywhere and so having that space and having that comfort is great. But you know, I'll tell you, I went through the ringer to find the right vehicle for us because they, or they're, just, they're just hard to find and at a right price because everything's so marked up. But those are things that you can take in prayer, right? You know, Lord, help me find the right deal, the right process. This, you know, Let me find the right guy to work with. Those are okay prayers to pray because they deal with the everyday life. Everyday life situations are perfectly fine to pray about. But again, I I just kind of I'm I'm kind of opposed to like, Lord, I really want to win the lottery. You know that that would be great, Lord. Just magically make my house sixty you know thousand feet bigger, or sixty thousand square feet bigger. You know, just just making me give me that mansion that I've always wanted. See, those prayers just are fruitless, and they don't do you any good, and they don't do those around you any good. But when it comes to prayer and fasting, and like for instance, if uh, Let's say your your significant other, your spouse, has been given a a very difficult uh, medical prognosis, and they they we you know you don't know what the outcome could be. Could they survive this, or could they succumb to it? You know, is this going to end their life? If that is unknown to you, you can turn and pray and fast. And you can cover yourself with sackcloth and ash like, you know, they, they've done in the old times. That's not necessarily needed. 
but you can certainly fast and pray. And, and this type of fasting would probably be a very intense fasting. It would be, you know, not eating anything between sunrise and sundown. So you, you would have to really pour into it, I think would be probably the most, most, or the best way, if you would, to approach that type of prayer, something that, something that requires, you know, God's miracle to be really just poured out upon you and your spouse and on all of them, uh, it, it could take you to have to pray and fast. But again, fasting and prayer won't always give you the, the full answer to what you want. And this sometimes, again, can be a big problem in the Western church. And by Western church, I essentially am asserting any Protestant denomination, whether you are a part of a denomination or non-denominational. Uh, but I do not in, do not include Roman Catholics, Eastern Orthodox, or even Lutherans, confessionally, confessional Lutherans in the Western church. Uh, we, the, the, our three circles, even though I don't agree with the Roman Catholic view on many things, and in fact, they have anathematized themselves by rejecting faith alone as a means to save in the Council of Trent, but I don't include them in the West because they didn't originate here. But you have a lot of these churches that originated or have developed fully in the West, and that's where we have a lot of these problems. And it comes into some of these notions that we will deal with. We won't get to laying up treasures in heaven today, but that will be another section where the Western church has stumbled. And But but before we get to that, let, let us kind of wrap out this show and just focus on this fasting concept. Because here's the thing. They will, they will hold uh, prayer sessions and they will have all-day prayer sessions going on and you can come in and join them for a little bit or a long time and you can pray and pray and pray and you can be a part of corporate prayer. You can be doing private prayer and all of it's wonderful and great. But then they encourage you to fast and they don't give you any rhyme or reason for it. And you're not, you may or may not have a reason to fast, but they encourage you to do it so that way your prayers can be answered. But your prayers being answered aren't, a, don't constitute or have any, you know, have any sort of weight on whether you were able to fast or not fast. That's why I say if you are fasting, reserve it for, you know, either you do it in a certain time of the year, like, you know, right around Lent, you give up you know, something or another during that time period, um, just because you find it to be a more holy time of the year and you can, you know, really just, you feel like you connect better with God and you feel like you can, you know, you, you, you feel that, that growth inside you. I can't really sit here and tell you, yeah, you might experience God and get those butterfly feelings in your stomach. That's not what Christianity is about. Christianity, the promises on the cross are not about us feeling like God is around, but it is, a, it is for us to trust in his promise. And it could just be that, you know, during Lent, uh, it's a very important time for Lutherans. If you fast during Lent, and this could just be a, a time for you to really uh, focus and, and meditate on God's promises for us. And it could just allow you to say, okay, I'm taking the temptation of eating out of the picture uh, you could fast even not just from food items, but you could fast from cell phones and social media usage, anything that's consuming your life. And you can say, I need to focus more on what God has promised me, and I need to focus more on on, on really putting that from my ear into my heart. 
And I can't tell you that you need to focus on putting it into action because now you're just going to be left in the law. But this fasting can be used in those types of situations. It can be used to take us away from the things that consume our lives and allow us to just sit and meditate on God's word. And so prayer can be obviously done any time of the day or, or any time, you know, throughout the hours or just in the evenings or just in the mornings. You know, Paul encourages us to pray without ceasing. Jesus tells us to continuously be praying. And so does Peter and so do many other books in the New Testament. We are to be a praying people. And so prayer should not be something that's out of the norm for the Christians. In fact, there's numerous quotes floating around about it, very similar stuff. You know, prayer for the Christian is like breathing is to the human. A Christian's life without prayer is, is leads to death because prayer is our channel to God. So in all that, I can keep talking about prayer and fasting for, for you know, another hour, but I'll, I'll save you that ranting and rambling. But I hope that you get a little bit better picture of this fasting concept, you know, and, and how you can apply it, not just to food, but to other devices or other vices, if you would, in the world that have gripped your attention. So I hope you have enjoyed this again. You know, if you want me to expand a little bit more on this, we could do kind of a smaller session or smaller show just on fasting and prayer. Maybe we'll do a small series on it down the road. Who knows? But uh, these are always interesting and fascinating topics to me because I fast um, on a somewhat regular basis, um, but I don't do it really for religious purposes. I do it for more personal health uh, purposes. So uh, I've only fasted a few times for religious means, and it's been an interesting little take. I've, you know, I don't want to expound it because it's my private, you know, fasting and prayer, but it's it's fascinating to give it a shot, you know. But you, it's one of those things that would we would encourage you to dwell in prayer and spend time meditating on God's word. So, ladies and gentlemen, that concludes our show today. Thanks for tuning in. I know we only worked through three verses, but you got me to rant and rant and rant and ramble and so on. But I hope it made some clear sense to you and provided some different takes on fasting. And I was hoping to get to the treasures in heaven section, but that will be next week. So we're in no hurry as we will continue to take our time working through this text. So until next Friday, ladies and gentlemen, have a great week. Get to church on Sundays and hopefully partake in the Lord's uh, Supper and the divine services. And that will be that from us at Undying Light. We'll see you next week. God bless.
Mom deserves the best, and there's no better place to shop for Mother's Day than Whole Foods Market. They're your destination for unbeatable savings, from premium gifts to show-stopping flowers and irresistible desserts. Start by saving 33% with Prime on all body care and candles. Then get a 15-stem bunch of tulips for just $9.99 each with Prime. Round out Mom's menu with festive rosé, irresistible berry chantilly cake, and more special treats. Come celebrate Mother's Day at Whole Foods Market. Hey, it's Danny Pellegrino from Everything Iconic. Ready to upgrade your style game without blowing your budget? Check out Quince. They've got all the good stuff, shirts and polos, activewear and fine leather goods, all at 50 to 80% less than other high-end brands. And the best part? They're all about safe, ethical and responsible manufacturing. Get that luxury vibe without the luxury price tag. Hit up quince.com slash upgrade for free shipping and 365-day returns on your next order. That's quince.com slash upgrade. Hi, I'm Daniel, founder of Pretty Litter. Cats and cat owners deserve better than any old-fashioned litter. That's why I teamed up with scientists and veterinarians to create Pretty Litter. Its innovative crystal formula has superior odor control and weighs up to 80% less than clay litter. Pretty Litter even monitors health by changing colors to help detect early signs of potential illness. It's the world's smartest kitty litter. Go to prettylitter.com and use code ACAST for 20% off your first order and a free cat toy. Terms and conditions apply. See site for details.